Thank you for downloading this week's episode of PR Week's Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com. Hi everyone, it's Steve Barrett here, the Editorial Director of PR Week, here for another edition of Coffee Break. We're delighted to be here with Josh Parsman, who's the CEO of Lanson's. Hey Josh, welcome to Coffee Break. Hello, Steve. How are you? It's nice to be here. And to yeah. clarify, I'm the CEO of Lanson's uh, New York. Um, yes. We have a, uh, an office. The firm was founded in London. Um, and there's another CEO who, uh, who leads the, the mothership. So, so just wanted yeah, to but clarify come on, New York's that. where it all happens. So, yeah. yeah but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, we're going to talk about that because um, Lanson's is probably better known in the UK where it's got, you know, like 130 people and sort of 13 million, I think, dollars roughly. But came into the US a couple of years ago with the acquisition of Intermarket and is now kind of rebranded as Lanson's. So just talk us through that process and talk us through how that all came about. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Right. So two years ago or thereabouts, Lanson's in the UK, um, which has, uh, you know, a 30 plus year history, made his first acquisition outside of the US with the goal of expanding its business into the US market to be able to service its clients uh, um, on the other side of the pond. So two years ago, uh, Intermarket was acquired. Intermarket Communications was uh, formally acquired by Lanson's. It's taken about two years for that transaction to come to a close. Um, along the way, the U.S. business rebranded as Lanson's Intermarket. And what we just announced last week was just the formal closing of the acquisition and the rebranding of the business in the U.S. as Lanson's so that we are now one firm going to market as one firm with a unified brand, a unified culture and set of capabilities. So. So as of today, or as of last week, actually, um, we are Lansons with offices in London and New York, and I lead the New York office of Lansons. Okay, so tell us a bit about the type of work that you specialize in. Um, you've got a financial background yourself. Is that is that pretty much where you're focusing, or have you got other strings to your bow? Sure. So our focus is on the financial services sector. I would say where we... Um, have a great deal of experience is working with asset managers, wealth managers, um, exchanges. We have a lot of experience uh, launching um, securities exchanges as a firm. Um, and beyond the core financial services, we do do a lot of work with financial technology companies, as you could imagine. And that's where a lot of the growth is coming from. And I would say just beyond that, we do a lot of work in the technology slash corporate slash B2B space. So we do work with a number of uh, corporate clients that don't necessarily fall within the financial services spectrum. But a lot of the work that we're doing for them is in the area of thought leadership, which marries very nicely with the kind of work we do for our financial clients. And how many of the clients would be global in that you're working with them in London and New York versus how many are specific to your New York office? Sure. I would say about a third of our clients today are shared clients with London. Um, just this within the past couple of weeks, we just won a new mandate where we uh, we pitched together as uh, the U.S. and the U.K. team. And we just started to onboard this new client and we're working with them across both of our offices. And then we have a number of clients that have been uh, working with us in that way for a number of years. So hopefully the opportunity is for us to continue doing more of that work. It's obviously very 
rewarding work, right? It's a lot more dynamic. And I think our, the people at our firm really like it because they get a much more global experience than they would otherwise. You've got about a dozen folks in New York at the moment? Correct. And tell us a bit about your, your background because you came in in April as CEO. You've got a long history at ProSec, Burson, URSC, RS, uh, CG. <laughs> and then you had a little stint on the client side at, at an investment bank. So Tell us about your background and what you're bringing and what your aims are as CEO of Lansons, what you'd like to achieve in 2022. Sure. Yeah, so my background is on the agency side. I've worked in uh, agencies for as long as I can remember. And you, you're correct. I did work at ProSec Partners, which is an agency focused on the financial sector. And I was there for about 13 years. And it was around that time, you know, the middle, you know, 2006 or so that I really honed in on the financial sector. And so my background is really working with insurance companies, asset managers, wealth managers, global investment banks, um, predominantly on the, uh, the B2B side of things. And then having been at ProSec for a little bit over 13 years or so, I did my last role was my very first ever in-house role when I worked at an investment bank called PJ Solomon as our head of comms and marketing. Um, and then I did join here in April of this year to take this position, which I saw as a very exciting position to take, you know, what I see as a tremendous brand culture capabilities that are offered in the UK and to really help in some ways import them here. If you want to look at it that way, using the great platform that we have in Intermarket, which like Lanson's has a strong background in the financial sector, is quite an integrated firm in the sense that we provide our clients with great media relations work, but a broad range of content creation, you know, digital written, et cetera, events management. So it really seems like a great opportunity to take this platform that we have here, import this great brand culture, um, add some new capabilities to really help our firm in New York grow and achieve its full potential. And since join, joining, I mean, I would say my priorities there's been a number of them, but one of them is really on the people and culture side. I think that you are aware that, you know, an agency is only good as good as its people. And so a great focus of mine has been on creating a great culture that marries very similar to what they have over in the UK, a very collaborative team oriented culture, very much focused on people development, helping people take the people that we currently have and develop their skills and make them a lot more dangerous than they are today. Um, so that's been a very big focus of mine. Also has been, as I'm sure a lot of the other agency folks can attest to, hiring um, and bringing in new great people to the agency. That has also been quite a big priority. And then also just ensuring that this uh, transition goes seamlessly from Lanson's Intermarket to Lanson's. And what about you in your experience in the sector over the years, you must have seen some big changes. Where do you see the financial services market now, especially the communications part of it, compared to maybe when you joined the industry? And how, how has the, the work changed? Sure. Well, the work has changed a lot in the sense that it's a lot more integrated than ever before. That, I would say, is across the board for our clients. Mandates are a lot more integrated, but I would say... Um, financial services companies seem a lot more open to, I guess, experimentation than they did in the past, right? 15 years ago, 
many financial services firms, especially asset managers, hedge funds, PE firms, they didn't really even think about marketing in a proactive sort of way. And I think that it really began or kicked off in a, where they became more comfortable engaging with the media for the first time in, for, for many of these types of firms. But I would say as of late, it's really become, I would say, a lot more, a lot of the tactics that I think you might find to be um, relevant for consumer brands, a lot of financial services firms are latching onto. So it's today, it's very, it's not uncommon at all for us to be not just ma managing all of the media relations for our clients, but developing a great, um, a great vast amount of um, digital content for our clients, whether that be videos, podcasts. Um, we have a great studio in London that we tap for many of our clients to do podcasts, videos, webinars, and things like that. I think uh, financial services firms are a lot more understanding today of the, the important role of social media and that they have to have a strong presence there. And it's also another great place to amplify all that great content that we're creating for them. And I would just say more broadly, they're, they just seem to be more open to new ideas. Um, so I find one of the things that we take very seriously here is bringing our clients new ideas on how to continue to evolve our relationship and partnership with them. And I've just been delighted to see, you know, that there is a lot of openness to exploring new sorts of uh, tactics that might be a little scary for them. But I think that they realize that for them to really build their brand, it's necessary for them to uh, to consider new uh, tactics and leveraging new technologies. So if we look at financial services or just the finance sector generally, you know, crypto, Bitcoin, NFTs, sort of GameStop, gamification of the stock markets, etc. Yeah. It seems to be almost um, democratizing in a way. How, how does that impacted your big investors? I mean, have they had to change their focus a little bit? And how do they do that? And how do they tell their stories within that, that changing environment? Yeah, well, that's a very good point, because what I would say is a lot of the entrepreneurial firms that are coming around to create new investment platforms, um, you know, for crypto and blockchain and, and not just in the, in the cryptocurrencies, but a lot of very entrepreneurial firms are coming to market and they're very far ahead on the, on the curve as far as creativity. And so what I find is that a lot of our more traditional investment firms, big asset managers, big banks, I feel in many ways it's made it's it's uh, pushed the envelope for them a little bit, and that they're seeing that a lot of the the thought leadership and commentary in the market is by these more uh, these new entrepreneurial firms. That it's encouraging some of our bigger, I guess, stodgier types of clients to have a louder voice because they don't want to be drowned out by the uh, the upstarts. Yeah, because, I mean, we've always thought of markets in terms of geographical terms, haven't we? Like the London markets, big financial markets, Hong Kong, um, New York. But then big crypto doesn't necessarily have a geography, does it? That's one of its uh, essences. So is yeah. do you see that changing? I mean, with the you're right, Lancers is very well known in, in the Lon in London area. Um, do you see, are we still going to be focused on geographical markets in terms of finance? Well, I would say... I mean, a lot less so, for sure. I mean, every story that we um, that we push or we go out and tell for our clients is seen by people all across the globe. You can't target a story just for the U.S. market or for the New York City market um, anymore, given uh, 
everything is online. So I think a lot of what, as far as geography goes, I, I really don't see geography being as key or as relevant or as important as it once was. And just uh, finally to wrap, talk a bit about your people. You mentioned it's a people business, how talent's so important. I think you're calling in from home at the moment. We're all working out what's the sort of physical work environment going to be in 2022. Are we going to be mandating uh, hybrid or non-mandated hybrid? How are you approaching that in terms of of Lansons and also, you know, getting the right talent together and what, how, how you provide an environment that they want to buy into. Sure. Um, so I would say that at present, I mean, we have, there's no mandate to be in the office. Um, but what I do find is that people are coming into the office regardless of that. So we do have a nice office space uh, in Midtown. Um, and on any given day, I would say the office is 50% full. So people are voluntarily coming in without necessarily being required to do so. But I think it's incredibly valuable for them to do that, especially for the more junior folks um, who, you know, you, you learn a lot by being in an office environment like that. And so I've seen some of the people that have started their careers working at home, right? You know, they started their careers one, two years ago, um, working in their parents' living room, wherever it might be. Um, they're moving into the city. They're coming back. And now they're coming into the office regularly. So you could really see it in the people development. I feel like, you you know, spending one week in the office is incredibly valuable uh, when you've been spending two years uh, working from home. So there's really no mandate to be there, but I'm really pleased to see that people are coming in. We have an intern who takes a two-hour train, two-hour train each way and shows up with a suit you know, at 8.30 in the morning every day just because he really values the opportunity to be in the office around all of these other people. Yeah, that's that's a great story. And I, I agree with you. You learn by osmosis, don't you? You learn by doing, hearing how other people do their job. That's how I learned to be a journalist. And I learned more in a, a two-month internship at a newspaper than I did in 10 months in a, in a classroom. So and I think Absolutely. I think PR is a similar thing. So I think there'll definitely be a, an appetite for that. So yeah, we, we, we wish you well, Josh, and uh, bringing the Lansing's name to New York and look forward to seeing how you progress in 2022. Thanks for joining us on Coffee Break. All right. Thank you, Steve. It was great to be here. And I do have some coffee for our coffee break and I, I'll, <laughs> I'll enjoy it. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Coffee Break. For more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.